0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And, man, one week down of the multi-buy rounds, another couple to go. And there are some really big dilemmas that coaches have facing them ahead of team selections, which chances are by the time you're listening to this, they may have already dropped. Lots to chat about on this podcast episode, but a limited amount of time to chat with you. So I'll be riding solo with you on this podcast. I want to get to some of our Patreon questions. So thank you to our Patreons for asking those if you want to join our Patreon supporter group, all the links and details for you at CoachesPanel.tv. And while you're there, you can also check out all the articles that have dropped this week. The break evens are there for your salary cap formats. Ultimate Footy added eleven new DPPs into the game. You can go and check that out. But all the links, if you do want to become a supporter of the Coaches Panel, are at CoachesPanel.tv. Throughout this episode, outside of answering our Patreon questions. Want to go club by club for you of the teams and that are off the buy round. We've got six clubs that have completed their multi buy, and look at players to who we can be bringing in. the The purpose of what we do throw the multi buy rounds is as best we can get to a max to get to a minimum of eighteen on field. I, I know over the years we've talked about and still stand by the advice. We always we want to be making sure we count premiums, not just total players because your premiums are where your points really come from. It doesn't mean you skimp to getting to 18, but that's where your points really do come from. So for me, looking to get that best and many 18 plus players on the field, but I think this week it's going to be difficult. No Morris Rioli Jr. hurts some coaches. No Sam Hayes hurts some coaches. And the uncertainty at time of recording around players like Braden Proust. Lockie Whitfield could really hurt and all it would take is a Mitch Owens who people traded into last week Sam Durden who people traded into who it now appears Caleb Marchbank has got his spot back into the side I'd be shocked if Durden also got an opportunity so there'll be a lot of teams struggling to get to 18 players on field this week and again that's okay because it's the premiums where your points are coming from but Every point counts. Let's be really honest. Well, well, let's work our way through, club by club, the players that we should be looking to trade into. Because this week now, round 13 of your multi-buy round, there's no real reason you should be trading into a guy that's on his buy this week or even next week especially because there are the odd cow that's popped along that we know of. We know Clark is playing on Thursday night for Richmond. There's the potential for Mitch Owens. We know Caleb Marchbank's not a rookie, but he's cheap. He's already been confirmed to play after over 1,000 days since he last played, if not more than that. And we may pop the other. So we're not trading into anyone that's on the buy this week. We're not trading in, shouldn't be trading into anyone, in my opinion, that's on the buy Next week, we've got six clubs and there's some really relevant guys. I won't look at the cows because teams, as they've landed by either time of listening or, or you're just catching up a fraction before. I'm going to steer clear of the cows, but rather help you look at some guys that can maybe help you across the formats. Uh, let, let's look at the Saints first. There's a couple of names to look at. The first is Brad Crouch. He's had a pretty strong season across the format. He's had six tons in super Coach, just the one score under 96. While in AFL Fantasy, six tons, only dropped the one score under 87. But when you're trading into premiums, and that's what Brad is, at this point in time of the year, you're trading into them for, to be one of two things. One, they're a captaincy option most weeks. Two, they're a value pickup. or I probably should add a third. They have an unbelievable fixture. So you're going for them because of the run of the fixture. For Brad, he's not a captaincy option. He's also not value. And I don't think the Saints have a crazy fixture. So as good as he's been this year, he's still only averaging 104, 105 across the format. So great for drafts. Handy for your daily fantasy, but he's not the Saints player to trade into. The same is for Rowan Marshall. We know we've played this game for a period of time now. You know that when Ryder plays, his scoring is heavily impacted. This year alone, when Ryder and Marshall share in the team, Marshall is scoring 17.2 per game, points per game less in AFL Fantasy and 21.3 points per game less in SuperCoach when Ryder plays. So even if Marshall was to gain DPP heading into round 18, Unless Ryder's missing a big chunk of time, you can't go near Marshall. Jack's still, still a few weeks away. So by the time he's ripe to be picked, you, you better have had a completed midfield. Now, it might be different if you've got some luxury trades and injury comes or in AFL fantasy, where you've still got the two trades a week and, and you're trying to move some guys through. Yeah, okay, sure. But Steele's probably not really someone you should be factoring into your team's there's really only one saint that's worth much time to talk about. And that's Jack Sinclair. The running machine is right now ranked fourth in super coach and fifth in AFL fantasy and dream team overall for all defenders. And as good as he's been over the year, it's actually his most recent form that's got coaches really salivating at the possibility of trading into it over the past three weeks. He's got the number one average of all defenders across formats in the past three. He's been running at one twenty-eight in SuperCoach, one eighteen in AFL Fantasy. He is not cheap, but he's a beast. And my goodness, if he can continue anywhere near the recent trend, it'll be hard not to want to own him. Let's talk about the Bombers. There's there's a couple of names that are there. Jordan Ridley's been fine this year, but but he's not, let's be honest, he's not someone you're wanting to trade into, so we shouldn't give him much time to focus in on there. Mason Redmond, I know some might be tempted by him. He scored a couple of tons and, a, a, and I think an extra game over 90 in his past three games. And as good as that recent form has been, that volatility of Essendon is so nerving to me that I, I couldn't trade into him. Um, so so I'll pass. His role's secure, but it's the elements around him that I couldn't get behind. There's two. And, and, and one of them feels odd to bring up, but after the breakout year of 2021, you could build a case that people are actually sleeping on Darcy Parish this year. He's currently on a run of eight consecutive Supercoach hundreds, with the lowest of them being a 109. So the 10% of coaches that have him in that format are loving what he's done, given he hasn't dropped a score under 97 all year. It's not bad, hey? In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's had a few more basement games, but still hasn't dropped under 80. Of his tons this year, um, of eight of them I believe he's had so far this year, six have been over 110, including a 131 and a 146. So it might be tough to pay up considering... You know, cross formats, it's a hundred grand or so difference between him and the player we'll talk about next in Zach Merritt. But he's definitely a prospect to consider because what he has going for him, maybe more than Zach, is the fact that there's no concern that he will be moved out as that midfield. And when you're paying this top dollar, like I said for Crouch, when you're paying for premiums in the midfield, they need to be because present value and that's why you're bringing into them they present captaincy options every week or they have a screaming fixture that makes you want to chase after them for Parrish, he, based remember those numbers nothing under 97 all year in super coach six big 110 plus scores of his eight tons this year he's an option but the dilemma coaches have is for 100k can I put that money on top of another player and get Zach Merritt instead and get closer towards? I think that's the dilemma coaches have because why I do you like Zach Merritt is he's, he's one of the safest career players of going one ten over the past five or six years. And the only reason he's valued this year is he had that sub-60 score in round nine against the Swans. Outside of that, his lowest score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team is 92 and it's 99 in Super Coach. And the fixture ahead isn't isn't easy for the Swans. But you could build a a case that he's pretty bulletproof and he's a great example of buying low because while Zach has had some inconsistencies of centre-bounce opportunities, no one's going to deny that. What Zach does have going for him is he's one of the most complete midfielders that Essendon have. He can win the contested footy, but he's probably their best ball user he takes the game on he gets into space he he can tackle doesn't do it heaps but he can he gets into space to get marks he does take on big daring kicks which means for super coach there is some um, variance in not just his disposal efficiency but also the opportunity for high ceiling games because he will take games on for me the by low mid of the round is zach merritt he might not be Mr. 110-115, but you're not paying for him to be that. Really comfortably goes 105-plus from now to the end of the year. Like I said, lowest for the year, removing that game against the Swans, 92 in AFL Fantasy, 99 in Supercoach. The only reason his value is one game. It won't be the first premium or the last premium that struggles against Sydney. If you're looking for a midfielder, especially an AFL fantasy and dream team, that's always been his preferred scoring format. Man, it's hard not to go near him. Let's talk about Port Adelaide, friends. Um, over the preseason, arguably the one of, if not the most hyped player was Zach Butters. And he... the midfield minutes are there. But the inconsistency is like going on a bad roller coaster, because there's about 100 points of variance between his highest and lowest score of the year. Encouragingly, he's got a three-game average of 108 in Supercoach and 90 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So that's good. But I'd be hesitant to trade into Zach, even though he's one of only a few forwards that are coming off the buy, because that's the challenging thing this week is. We look at the forwards available and it's. we'll talk about GWS, but outside of GWS and Port, there's there's not really anybody we want to talk about. We know Bailey Smith after his suspension is someone we want. We know Tim English if we don't have him. And Marcus Bontepelli after the buy, people we want. Luke Parker after the buy, we want them. Josh Dunkley for the rare few that don't have him. A lot of our forward premiums are missing this week, so I can see why coaches are considering someone like Zach. But for me, if you've gone against him to this point, I, I would probably keep on that same path. He's got the capacity to be a top-tier forward. No doubt. Look at that current three-game average. Look at some of those ceiling games from earlier in the year. The capacity and ability is there. But for me, if, if I didn't own Zach, I wouldn't trade into Zach. If I owned Zach, it's going to get to a luxury point in the year to be able to move him on. And part of that depends on the format you play, uh, the coaches in the league, if you're going for a league, the rankings, how many trades are left, all all those kind of variations come a part of it. So for me, if you're a Butters owner, yeah, it's fine. No, No reason to rush, especially over the next fortnight. If you don't own him, I'd probably go and look elsewhere. Look, you've got to admire what Travis Boak has done over the past couple of years. He's been one of the most reliable 100-plus performers of all games and all formats. And he's been good this year too, like including that. He had that 150-plus score across formats in round two, dropping around about 100K across the format. So, so he is value. But here's the thing with Travis. More than recently, Port is spreading the load away from this heavy dependency on him and Ollie, And the power fixture does look quite tricky after this Thursday night clash against the Tigers. This is what the next few weeks goes. Sydney, Gold Coast, Fremantle, GWS, Melbourne. You could build a case that all those teams, their greatest strength is their midfield. So Boak is certainly an option, w- without question. But remember, when you're trading into guys at this point in time for you, th- these are players that you're wanting for the next 10 weeks. I kind of like, as good as Boke is and should be, I kind of like other options, even from his team. I kind of like other options more. So i am an owner, yeah, okay. Yeah, a little bit more inconsistency than I would have liked, but there's been some reasons for that. But I'm not, he's not the guy for me to trade into. Really, Ollie Wines is probably the one, isn't he? His seasonal average is slightly down compared to last year. Now that's due to that injury-affected game in round four against the Demons where he got subbed out. Um, you take that game out of the mix, he's in a down year, and he he's, has been down. He's gone at 105 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 110 in Supercoach. So that's comparable to what he did last year in 2021 where he went 112 in Supercoach and 111 in Dream Team and Fantasy. Now I know there's a, there's a hotter run and stretch of games in that. But last year after the bye, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, his lowest score for the year was 95. From a Supercoach perspective, all bar one game was 100 plus. Now I know it's not the same... Port Adelaide team. But point to say, remove one game, which has a narrative behind it, even more so than the Zach Merritt point that I was making before. There's a reason for it. So I, I think for me, Ollie's one. I actually like the matchup tonight as a VC option. I really, really like him as a VC matchup option. The, the last power player that probably should talk about is Bryn Tickle. Last week when we got him through the mid-season draft. It it is a huge victory, and for two key reasons. Firstly, he's a ruck forward DPP at a basement price. So what this does and why it's so important, and especially with no Sam Hayes this week, is it enables the movement easily, and most notably in Dream Team and Supercoach, where you don't have the utility position, so you can't move players in and around your spots of squads of 30 as, as easily as you can in NFL Fantasy. But in Dream Team and Supercoach, he easily opens up the DPP link for Tim English. So whether it be you've got to cover a Proust who may or may not play this week, for example, or in future weeks, the other Ruck 2 you trade into, it opens up opportunities and movement for Tim English. The, the more versatility in your team you can get without sacrificing your on-field performance massive tick and win from me. And so that's one of the two big reasons T equals a win as a trade-in option via Hayes is who I'm specifically addressing it. The second thing that he's a genuine win for is he's actually a chance to pinch a couple of games in the next month or so. Hayes has been left out of the side this week. He was rumored to be dropped prior to the buy against Essendon. Scott said is still a few weeks away, about four or five weeks away. And you just hear the way that Ken Hinckley talked about Teakle and about the development of Hayes just wouldn't shock me if he jagged a game here or there. Now, that's not the main reason. The main reason you're looking at Teakle is the DPP of English. But you can jag a couple of games, and that's not too bad for you, is it? Let's talk about GWS. There's no Tim Taranto this week. He's been ruled out this week, and the way the clubs speak, Maybe a little bit longer, but they're hopeful of coming. It, it's really amazing to me that a month can be a real long time in football. Just four weeks ago, their co-captain, Stephen Cornelio, was someone that we were all kind of looking going, oh man, I can't wait to get to the bye, to move him on. It was that game where he scored a 49 in AFL Fantasy and a 37 in Supercoach against the Blues in round nine. We were like, I can't wait to move him on. However, since then, there's been some fairly good changes at the Giants, hasn't there? Like a major coaching overhaul. And as a result, his roles changed too. He went 145 and 85 in Supercoach and 120 and 108 in AFL Fantasy. What's encouraging is a couple of things. One, Mark McVeigh coming out at a press conference this week saying, we, this is where we want, to, I'm paraphrasing, this is where we want to play Stephen. He's in the midfield. He's played roles for us previously, but this is where he's at his best and where we need him. It will be interesting to see what dynamic changes with Tim Taranto's back. But that, like I said, could be a week, could be weeks. Um, If you don't own Cogs and money's tight and you need a forward this week, he's your guy. There's a lot of ifs through there, but if, 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 Gog's not a bad pick. One of the most attractive options coaches considering this week for GWS is Josh Kelly. and, and Understandably so. I, I'm a big Josh Kelly fan, have been for a number of years, and you know this if you've listened to the Coaches Panel podcast over the past couple of years. I know it's dodgy when we fantasy people kind of have our boys, but yeah, Josh is one of my boys. He's shown multiple times over his career season-long average 110-plus, and he did that off the back of last year too. Right now in AFL fantasy, he's the form player in the game. He's got the highest three-round average of everyone in the game. He's going at 126. While in his supercoach, <laughs> he's gone better. 137 in his past three games. Only Clary Oliver's gone better. So look, he's no longer a value. He, he's not a value buy. But if his current trend holds, gosh, he'll probably be one of the top two or three midfielders over the final 10 weeks of the year. So maybe trading at a peak, maybe not peak price, you're trading into him and he has to do at least this. 110 plus for the rest of the year. Has to. Maybe even closer to 120s, 115s in AFL fantasy. If if you've got no confidence that his current trend is continuing of 115 plus. You can't go near him. That's so much money. But, 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 but. He's really fun to own. Um, if someone said, I'm trading in Josh Kelly this week, uh, there's no part of me that's going to try to talk someone out of it. I get it. I see a why. Um, but he's no value. So back to that point, I made about Brad Crouch right at the top of the episode. When we're trading into premium midfielders at this time of the year, it's because... They're captain options most weeks. They've got a really nice fixture or they're a value premium. He is not value. His fixture is okay. It's because you think Kelly's a VCC most weeks. And I think he is. Look, mark my words. Isaac coming in a couple of years time is going to be one of the premium defenders we always talk about. We're really lucky at the moment that we've got a couple of premium defenders Playing midfield, I'm, I'm alluding to a good guy like a George Hewitt, for example. Cummings is going to be a star. The elite foot skills, really great, strong intercepting marks, high footy IQ, and and he's phenomenally fun to own as well. The question is whether or not it happens. Isn't is it or won't it? The question is, will this next ten weeks be enough? Him to match it with the best? That is the big question. There's one other giant, and again, it might be null and void because by the time you're listening to this, teams are probably out, and, and so it might be null and void. But the only other giant that I'd really put much time into, I know some like Perryman, but um, for me, I, it put him in the coming category for me. There's, I think he's going to be great, um, but I don't know if it's going to be great enough. Uh, to really make it worthwhile. It'd take a brave coach to reach blind and trade into Lockie Whitfield. He's been played out of position in 2022 and he's been sore for chunks of the year too. So as a result, we've seen more of the lows than the highs of Lockie. But historically, he's got the capabilities to be the top scoring defender in the game over these next 10 weeks. So it's a bit of a risk versus reward decision for coaches. Here's what I will say on Lockie. The encouraging sign we've seen under the McVeigh coaching era is the correction of both Kelly and Cornelio being moved back into the roles that from a fantasy perspective and arguably in a footballing perspective, they're in their their strongest place. And as a result, the premium scoring has followed. If that happens for Whitfield, promising signs let's talk about richmond before we get to carlton and then our patreon questions there there really is only one richmond player but i'll talk about two on average Jaden short is is the clear and supreme tiger worth spending time on he's ranked second in afl fantasy and dream team and seventh in super coach among all defenders by average um He was one of the best early season options, Um, and despite just the one ton in the past three weeks across the formats with part of him spending a little more time through the midfield, I still think he's going to be around the mark of our top defender picks. Look, he's not unique, and he's not cheap. He's also not in form. Doesn't have to be, but... So, look, he's really good to own. Um, The only reason you'd be trading into short as a non-owner is kind of twofold. You're forecasting a return to those first six to eight weeks of scoring where he's just Mr. 100 every week. And the second is it's a defensive trade because you're trying to nullify his impact either in a rankings or in a league's battles. They're the only reasons. I mentioned it a couple of times on this episode already, friends, but we don't really have a lot of premium forward options to trade into from this group of six teams, especially with no Taranta. But if you're desperate to bring one in, maybe you're a Cornelio owner already, then Dusty's not, a, he's not the worst name to look at. Since coming back into the Tigers lineup in round eight, he's averaging 90 in Supercoach, 81 in AFL Fantasy, and that's well below his capabilities historically. For me, the thing is this. If you believe that the Tiger train's got another great 10 weeks in them, and that Dusty's going to wind the clock back a little bit and and the buy and the break and, and everything's come his way, then sure, absolutely look at it. Absolutely no problem. But if you're not sure and if you're not certain, at that price point, yeah, he's good, but nah. I'll probably look elsewhere. Let's talk about Carlton. Four players before we get to our quick Patreon questions. Um, This year couldn't have started any better for Patrick Cripps. Beyond that, one-week hammy where he got injured, subbed out of the game early, and then missed the game. Look, he was pretty much unstoppable over the first eight weeks of the year, wasn't he? But in the past three, he's kind of struggled. Uh, Look, there's a few reasons for that. One is he's just been banged up a little bit. Two, a lot more attention has started to really come his way defensively. And then three... Because they've lost some forward line structure with the talls, it's kind of forced Silvani to play a little more tall, less relief rucky. Uh, De Conning's had to move and adjust his role. And so we've seen Cripps at uh, stoppages plays the relief ruck. As a result, Cripps has gone at just 79 in AFL fantasy and 92 in super coach over the past three weeks. The upside for Cripps is this. Um, the week off should freshen him up. The return of Harry Mackay, it sounds like, again, at time of recording, you know the answer now better than me if you're listening and teams have dropped. But I think those two things combined and finally maybe getting their midfield all together in Kennedy, Hewitt, Walsh, Chera, and Cripps, which we've rarely seen. I don't even know if we actually have seen that their fantastic five together should mean that he'll be around. You know, I think he's a 100-plus midfielder for the rest of the year. If you own him, fine to, own, fine to hold and own. But I wouldn't trade into crips. He's no longer value, even though he's had some poor form and he's scoring back to... You need to be confident he's going back to 110-plus in AFL fantasy and nearing 120 from this point on in Super Coach. I'm not... Um, that confidence. So hold if you own him, fine. Make it a, a late trade. Maybe go and get steel in a month's time if you've got the trades and position to do. But for me, that's there. Two of the best defenders for the year um, have been Doherty and Hewitt. And there's probably little to no reason to why that will change. Over the year, Doherty is the fifth highest averaging defender, Hewitt is the number one averaging defender. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, they're the number one and the number three, averaging highest defenders. They're not value, but gosh, they're good. They're consistent. They're reliable. Hewitt's got more of a supercoach ceiling than an AFL Fantasy ceiling. You're paying top dollar for them. Um, You might be overpaying for them. But gee, who is their own. And he, there are just some players that you just, you kind of sleep a bit better at night knowing that you've got them. And and so for me, I, I, I see the attraction of why people are overpaying might be a bit too much of a, a stretch of a statement, but I hopefully you hear the point of what I'm trying to say is they're not going to outperform much of what they're priced at now. It's almost near impossible for them to do so, but they're going pretty darn well, aren't they? The last blue I want to talk about before we get to our Patreon questions is Sam Walsh. Seasonal average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team of 106, but going at 114 in his last three. By averages over the last three in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's top eight. He's going better than Rory Laird, going better than Andrew Brayshaw, going better than Jack McRae, and going better than Tuke Miller in his past three weeks. The kid's going just fine. While in Supercoach, a seasonal average of 117 and going in his last five at 124 and in his last three at 135. In his last three, he's averaging more than Max Gorn, Darcy Parrish, more than Jack Sinclair, more than Brad Crouch, more than Ollie Wines, more than Rory Laird, more than Lockie Neal. He should be pushing the markers to be one of the best midfielders in the game. And so he's, there's not a heap of value there because he's, yeah you know, in Supercoach, for example, he's like 6,000 off his original starting price. In AFL Dream Team, for example, he's a little bit cheaper. He's, he's dropped about 50K give or take while it's about 40K down in AFL Fantasy. So it's probably the cheapest we are going to get him now. I really like Sam Walsh. He's not bargain like a Wines or a Merit, but he is unique. And maybe his combination of being relatively unique in contrast to what he can score and what he has been scoring so far might just be the thing that tips you over the line He's in 7% of AFL Dream Team and Super Coach Sites and in 9.5% of AFL Fantasy Teams. At under 10%, you could be getting the best premium in the game. It's not cheap, but gosh, I really like him. All right, let's look to wrap up this podcast with a couple of Patreon questions and see how we go. Uh, Brendan Wright wants to know, am I concerned about Sicily's role after the game on the weekend? Could be worth moving in AFL fantasy or is it a luxury move in Dream Team in, more, in order to move away from the pack, given his high ownership? Well, certainly not, Brendan, this week. I think a lot of teams are struggling to field 18, let alone more than 18. So it's certainly not a move out this week. So for me, I'd be looking at him at earliest as a trade out next week. But for me, it all comes down to a couple of things in those formats. What trades do you have left to complete your side? What other moves are you doing? And can you improve your side in totality with some additional moves away from it? Or do you need to move him on? Those are the things to always consider, Brendan. So I wouldn't talk anybody out of it. Um, for a lot more teams, they, it might be something that they're doing in two to three weeks' time rather than it thereby. But if it gets you to the more players on field, it improves your team long-term. I, I, I think it, it's totally fine uh, to make that move with Sicily. I, I think he's been one of the better picks of the year across formats. I know you're not talking about the other formats, but he's only had one ton in his last five games, and he hasn't gone over 120. So, So he hasn't hurt you is what I'm trying to say. If if that helps and works for your team, then absolutely no problem with doing it. Sam wants to know, should we cut our losses and trade Toronto, And should we ever trust the GWS report again? Look, for me, I think Taranto is the kind of guy Again, without knowing the teams, the amount of trades you've got, all those variables, it's hard to say that. But, yeah, I, I would look to move him on, get that extra player on field this week because the club is saying it could still be a couple more weeks to go. So, yeah, I, I would probably make that move. Brendan's jumped back with another question. Lots of talk around Walsh, Parish, and Kelly as premium targets this week in Supercoach. How would you rank them? Could Kelly be the best trade-in due to the instant reward against North? Look, for me, I, I probably would go Kelly, Walsh, and Parish. The beautiful thing is, Brendan, you can't really go wrong with either. So for me, the tiebreakers when you can't decide players, once the buy rounds are done, which they are with these guys, are around price, fixture, and then lastly, players you enjoy owning. I don't think there's much between them, but I think Kelly's probably going to have the highest score out of the three. I think Walsh will be better than Parish. And Parrish will still be very, very good. Remember, hasn't dropped under 97 all year. Sriram, in limited trade format, should we really push to finish teams ASAP or potentially wait a few weeks for some returning Uber premiums? He's talking about Hall, Steel, Grundy, Taranto. Uh, Sriram, for me, the aim of the game is finish your team as quick as you can uh, without skimping on the quality of your premiums. Because let's, for example, look at it this week. Would you take a i don't know zach merit this week over a steel in three weeks time and have to play an extra cow on the field for two of those weeks like a greg clark so now it's merit for 10 versus steel for eight and two for clark for me as good as steel's is going to be those cow scores could really hamstring you. So for me, I'd be getting those premiums on field as quick as you could. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'd be looking to make those moves. The so good news for you, it sounds like Hall might be playing this week. Lucky wants to know if AFL Fantasy is at too early to trade in, non-scoring 190 player, thinking of Hayes to Teakle, I've already ticked that sort of trade-off, mate. No, it's not too early. Is the Bruce rumor of another week on the pine concerning enough to trade him out? Um, for Supercoach, he's asked, keeping in mind, currently have gone Bruce, Hayes, English. Uh, I think in that case, um, who are you trading to? Bruce, for example, at R2, outside of Tim English, there's no other ruck I've got confidence in. Wits in Supercoach, sure, confidence in him, but nobody else I've got confidence in. Just a week ago, Darcy gave us an absolute disaster of a score. And then the week before that, an absolute monster. So for me, Bruce has been frustrating at times to own this year, but he's a stepping stone and he's done his job. So for me, if he's, if he's not named this week and there's a premium rocket you like go for it. But for me, there's gone, there's a mile gap. There's English who's in our forward lines. And then it's only wits in super coach I like because of his relative consistency, and he's not playing this week anyway. So for me, the buy rounds are the perfect time with the inconsistencies of Proust to not be too concerned because it's about 18 on field, not the 22. So don't get too worked up about if Proust does or doesn't play this week. The, the talk out of the club is he's been sick and unwell and that he still struggled. Even in that game, he played reserves down in Geelong. He still struggled. To play. So, even if he's not named tonight on a Thursday night, that's okay. Don't worry about it. The good news is they have talked heavily about bringing him back. So, Bruce wouldn't be the guy I'd move out. I'd look to Hayes, free up the cash via TECL, and look to make some aggressive premium upgrades in some other spots. I hope that helps you with your questions. And thanks, friends, for sticking around on this solo episode. I really appreciate you. Good luck in the round 18. If we can, the round of 18, it's round. 13 i'll get it right eventually won't I, friends but if we can help you in any way become a patreon at coachespanel.tv we'll be able to help you out as best as we possibly can other than that we'll hopefully be back next week with a few more members of the coaches panel to help you with your fantasy footy side with the final of the multi-buy rounds